0: Welcome to Loaded Talk. I am your congressman, the third most popular candidate to ever run in Pinellas County. Um, I'm Frank, and along with me today is... What's up,
1: planet Earth? I'm Charlie. Charlie the Bean. Charlie is the Bean.
0: Charlie's found a a nice uh, little mascot costume that we're going to probably have to bust out at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Same price, no matter what size. We can get it multiple sizes. We have a bean army. (laughs) I used to always want to have. I got a little ceramic penguin about this big. I would think like if I had like maybe a hundred of those. Maybe 500, and you just put them all in the front yard on little motion sensor rotatey things. Oh, when people man. walk up, all the penguins just follow you, in. It's like, I see you've made it past my penguin army. It awesome. <laughs> yeah. would all
1: have to look like the Danny DeVito penguin,
0: though. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not that far. They're just adorable ceramic penguins, Charlie. But I think they are made in different sizes. They did make a baby, but no, that's too much. Yeah, when he ate like the fish yes. and like the black, black blood. Yeah. yeah. Those are good movies. The first two Batmans with Michael Keaton, those are great. Yep. I like the Christian Bale ones too. The other ones, you know, they existed. When I was like twelve or something. They were they were fun. Until they put nipples on the bat suit. Yeah. Joel Schumacher. It Is just,
1: that, uh who played?
0: Uh, Iceman? No, not, yeah, <laughs> Val know. Kilmer. It was either Kilmer or Clooney that got the nipples. I forget which one. Let's see. It was Schumacher, which I think means it was the ice uh, or the not ice man. What was Schwarzenegger's guy? Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. I think it was Mr. Freeze and poison Ivy. So I, th- I think that was George Clooney. I'm feeling good about this. I'd bet money. George Clooney. We've solved the important problems. Once again, that's yeah. it folks. See you next week. <laughs> um, So this has been an eventful week. Um, Not all weeks are so eventful. Um, We recall there was that plea bargain back in the day for young Mr. Hunter Biden. He's just a child. We shouldn't expect him to understand his actions as a small child with a famous dad. It's just difficult for him. Um, But that plea deal fell apart because um, it was crooked. I mean, when they tried to explain it in front of a judge and said oh yeah we're basically offering him immunity for a gun charge and um whatever he was getting slapped with. I forget. He was getting slapped with almost nothing. it was a misdemeanor on the gun charge and there was tax evasion, I think was the other thing. Uh but it was basically like, all right, plead guilty to these and then I can never be charged with anything again. And the judge is like is that what this says? And the DOJ is like mm mm-mm, nah, nah. And then Hunter's lawyers were like yeah. No. Uh-huh. And so uh, as late as I think last week or something, I think maybe I I mentioned it in passing uh, last week for the show. um, He still believes that um, he has immunity from that plea deal that was never signed. Like he's still like Hunter Biden thinks he's got immunity. Well, on that note, um, this is from the old Breitbart, Breitbart, Uh, Hunter Biden indicted on three firearms charges no tax are FARA violations. So he's charged with one count, a false statement, and purchase of a firearm. One count, possession of a firearm by a person who's an unlawful user or of or addicted to a controlled substance, like crack cocaine. And one count, a false statement related to information required to be kept by federal farm firearms licensed dealers. Hunter could potentially face prison time. What do you think? You think you can face prison time on this there, Charlie? No. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> is, um, but the indictment did not include any foreign agents registration act or tax violations. Yeah, whatever. Fell apart, fell apart. This is just about how everything fell apart. So basically, all right. So now he's actually catching some charges. Okay. like I think it's just part of the game. You know, they're going to... Uh, I mean, the fact that they're not lumping in the... Foreign registered agent stuff In this is interesting to me Uh cause they did testify To that judge Uh when the judge was asking if there were any Currently like active Uh foreign investigations With Hunter Biden and like the DOJ Had to be like well Yeah And they're like well what's uh What, what are they about like, We can't talk about it they're Like, But yeah there's open investigations Um and then the taxes—they just totally left off, which either means he's going to skate on it, or it could be because of all that IRS whistleblower stuff that's popped up. You know, um, actually, was this one of my things? I'm look through my little stack of things, my pile of things. Hmm. Um, <laughs> no, well, so uh, Weiss, not Weiss, the IRS whistleblower who said that they were investigating Hunter Biden, um, or they wanted to investigate Hunter Biden for things like tax fraud and uh, possible money laundering and all this kind of stuff, uh, they said, like, well, I um, I wouldn't allow to. Like, it, it wasn't my call. You know, someone else. Um, or maybe it was the DOJ, DOJ financial. Anyway, there's whistleblowers. IRS were saying, like, we tried to do stuff, but we weren't allowed to. It was clear that the DOJ didn't want it done, and it wasn't going to get done. Merrick Garland came out and he was like, hey, you know, like he, he was given all the authority in the world. And like, you know, did we talk about this last week where it came out like they did a FOIA request and ends up there's no paperwork that says that that dude was authorized to do anything. And then like the guy that was testifying, I was like, no, I took like really good notes that meeting. And like I wrote down here, like he is not in charge or whatever, like someone else like DOJ saying no. Like, but that this guy is that who David Weiss? No, David Weiss is an investigator. Anyway, the the whistleblowers just you know wrote down like, okay, this dude doesn't get the say so, and like he took the notes and then he emailed the notes to people in the meeting to say like, just to be clear, like this is what we talked about today. Here are my notes. You know, he typed them all up, sent them, which is not uncommon for people that are note minded and organized and good like that. I am not one of those people, um, but. uh So he sent that. Well, this week he provided the actual handwritten notes where he's just like, no, here they are. (laughs) You know, it's like, and then you can compare them to what he sent. And like, they're you know, it's handwritten notes. So they're a little sloppier and all that kind of stuff. But now there's all these notes where it's just like, so FOIA says like the DOJ has no record that Merrick Garland ever authorized this dude to do anything, let alone have just carte blanche. Uh, And maybe that is David Weiss, who's the investigator. That's why he's a special counsel now. But like he was never given that authority. And Merrick Garland said, "Like, oh, he was clear. He had that authority. He definitely had that authority." And so now it's like the whistleblower is like, uh, "He didn't know it if he had it, and it didn't seem like he had it because nothing ever got, you know, approved." And now like all the notes are there, so it's just like, yeah, okay, so that was crooked. So maybe with that, that's why those tax charges aren't brought up because like maybe there's just more charges on the way, and. Did anyone else financially benefit from those? Perhaps the sitting vice president at the time, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. <laughs> Robinette's a very masculine name. I love
1: how you like act, like accentuated like, while saying it. <laughs> Robinette man, that's
0: slave owning ass. Robinettes, <laughs> they were that's provable. <laughs> they own slaves. <laughs> So yeah, so Hunter got slapped with some charges, probably they'll just bring up the plea again, start the whole thing from scratch and plea it down to some misdemeanors like they already offered him. Um, so I don't think that's going to be um, the biggest deal for old Hunter. Uh, but one thing that might be a bigger deal for everybody is, of course, this week, um, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, announced that he was going to in, uh, begin an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden um and which is not an impeachment you know this is the impeachment inquiry precedes the impeachment you basically get better subpoena power and all, all that kind of stuff um as um as the city members you know and so you get to call people in who might be able to say like oh this doesn't really pertain to the official business of the congress so i don't have to show up type thing um but with an impeachment inquiry now it's got more teeth than you can like say no you do need to show up and if not we'll find you in contempt which unless you're steve bannon doesn't seem to matter to anybody like is steve bannon the only one that's ever been to jail for contempt of congress like i think steve bannon's a piece of garbage but like you know i don't know it seemed seems like he got unequal treatment under the law you know he also uh yeah no steve bannon's just gross like actually Breitbart I was just reading off of you know that was I guess was, I don't know if that's Bannon's now but that was uh Andrew Breitbart and like so he was a uh investigative journalist type you know maverick type guy um he uh he hired Ben Shapiro was a 12 year old or whatever the hell he was you know and so that's kind of how Ben Shapiro got his start in the world professionally uh was as the doogie Hauser of conservative politics and he would write for Breitbart and all this uh, and then when, uh, when he died, um, old Bannon, I guess took over cause he was already a high ranking something. And, uh, I think <laughs> Shapiro quit said he's like one of the biggest anti-Semites he's ever met and all this other stuff. And just like a, I don't know. He's apparently just a crazy power hungry, just nut, you know? And even it's funny, even Trump, Called him a nut or whatever. He called him Sloppy Steve. That's what he called. Sloppy Steve.
1: I've heard he wants to completely restart the United States of America. What does that mean? Like, destroy it to rebuild it. Oh. He's one of those.
0: You know, even though Bob Marley says, you know, total destruction is the only solution. That um, always sounds a little crazy. I mean, yes. I don't want to totally destroy it but like now what the country or the government you know um because you could destroy a lot of the government and it wouldn't really affect most of us you know like all these departments we haven't even heard of it's just like all right like it'll be fine like our i think as long if the cities are still there cities and counties you thin out those governments too but hey look you got a city government your city's gonna keep running you know state government your state will keep running not that you, it's required, but, like, if you're going to have your little borders and you're going to have all these lines, like, it'd be scary for some people to get rid of a lot of federal government stuff. Um, but, you know, it's okay. You still got your little safety net of your state and local governments, and then we'll get rid of those next. Um, all right. Anyway, so, there's an impeachment inquiry that has been opened up, and, of course, Uh, I think Breitbart has this framed nicely. Disinformation. White House, Democrats, media claims no evidence to support Biden impeachment inquiry contradicted by mountains of evidence. That's it. Everybody's been saying it. There's no evidence. There's no direct evidence. There's no evidence. No direct evidence. And like, it's, I don't know if people are willfully ignorant. I mean, they're lying is what they're doing. But like, some people really have no idea uh, that you yeah, know, there's been they've been testifying on the, like there's witness testimony. And that's called direct evidence. Uh, actually, we'll get into all that in a second. Let me read a little bit from Breitbart here. Um, let's see. The White House Democrats and their allied media outlets have been pushing outright disinformation by claiming there's no evidence to support an impeachment inquiry into Democrat President Joe Biden, contradicting mounds of evidence uncovered by House Republicans and already in the public sphere. The left's messages, uh, message, since the launch of the impeachment inquiry into Biden, seems clear and coordinated. Several media outlets, Democrats, and the White House itself have all used the fra- uh, use phrases such as "without evidence," "no evidence," or "no direct evidence" to describe House GOP effort that uh, Speaker McCarthy announced earlier this week. But their claims are quite simply disinformation and easily disproven, as the House Republicans have actually amassed quite a bit of evidence this year before proceeding in the next stage. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, one thing that uh, McCarthy did on this one, which he ripped off from Pelosi is typically you have a house vote to do this, but I don't think he thought a house vote would actually get passed. Um, and so what Pelosi did for Trump and what McCarthy's doing now, so kind of good for the goose, good for the gander type stuff, which is, Where we're stuck living for a while um, is basically like, I'm going to do it. We're going to get this going. And then once we kind of lay out enough stuff, we go, okay, how about this for an impeachment inquiry? Then you do a little vote and be like, okay, yeah, we'll do the inquiry passed. And then like.
1: Like a market test?
0: Kind of, yeah. I think it's like, it's just like, look, let's just push it out there. See, see, like no one's numbers are dropping yet. Because I think it's more about that than the truth you know it's like hey look at your poll numbers poll numbers are fine right let's vote you know and like i can't imagine i can't imagine he would move forward on an impeachment inquiry if he didn't feel good about it moving to an impeachment because if that happens that would be such a fumble like if they do an impeachment inquiry and it leaves with them saying "Not enough information to impeach, which I think there already is um that would be such a huge win for Joe Biden He'll be able to label the the Republican witch hunt he'll be able to go into the the reelection as this victim who's been fighting for the people and it's just these extreme maga republican types, and like it'll just it'll be. It would be one of the biggest political disasters if, if McCarthy messes this up. And, like, you know, Matt Gates is already threatening to uh, do a no confidence vote because, like, part of the deal, part of the agreement, the House has rules, okay? So, the way things come up to a vote, there's like actual House rules. Uh, like, this is how these things work. Um, so, like, Paul Ryan, when he was a speaker, he wanted to get rid of earmarks, you know, because earmarks we're just spending all this money it's irresponsible that's where all this wasted money comes from is these damn earmarks so people are like yeah yeah and so they're like no more earmarks another word for an earmark is an amendment an amendment from the floor so what happened now is bills were made in a closed room and so they go into committee and they don't come out for a vote until you're sure that it'll pass because no one can put an amendment from the floor to make it so it can pass. So, in committee, people discuss it. Maybe you offer some amendments while in committee, and then that's enough to like, all right, that's good. But you don't need that much, you know, like you don't need that much support. And so, like, Paul Ryan started it, Pelosi perfected it, or it was just like, no, we're not talking to anybody. It's like, oh, this bill comes out of committee and we need to vote on it, which it used to be, at like, some point, they're like, they like, okay, okay. We need three days to read it at least to pa- to pass it. Like before you have to vote, we get three days. It's like
1: thousands of pages.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so there's gonna be like twelve hundred pages. Uh, but you know, the thing was like, just please give us three days. You can't just drop it us on it. They okay. But three days doesn't mean seventy two hours. So what three days became was it had to touch three days. So like what you might do is you release it to everybody on Tuesday at eleven PM. Okay. They wake up. On Wednesday, 8 a.m., they go, oh, look at this. The vote is on Thursday. So it's like you have one day to read it. And like the vote might be like 8 a.m. on Thursday. It's like it's touched three days. You've had three days to read it. So that's kind of, that was part of the thing. But like that, yeah. So Pelosi perfected that whole thing where it was just you keep it in committee, you keep it, like, you write it with your office, with the lobbyists, whatever people, whatever team you put together. You craft this whole thing, bring it to committee, start beating, pe- start, start whipping votes and, and saying like, hey, you're going to vote for this. And, um, and so as soon as you know you're good or close to good, just push it out there. And, and someone goes, hey, actually, I actually have an idea of what uh, might make this bill a little better. They go, we don't care. You can't do that. You can't do it. And so like they just say no. Um, I remember uh, Justin Amash was talking about that. There's some bill that uh was coming up and he was not going to vote for it but he was like hey i got this amendment if we can amend this one part like i would vote for it and i think a couple i think some other republicans would vote for it um this was either when he was still a republican or after he became a libertarian i forget um but uh so he presents he presents this idea and i think pelosi I think Pelosi was the speaker at the time. She, well, yeah, and she goes, "I don't want your vote." That was it. I got this thing where I think we can get more people involved with this bill. And I just like to submit an amendment, and she's like, "I don't want your vote. I don't care about your amendment." I'm like, oh, okay.
1: Like she knew she had enough already. She yeah, she didn't care. Yeah,
0: no, the Democrats had enough votes, so it was just like, "I don't want your vote. I don't need your vote. Why would I want your vote? Who cares? Vote for it or don't. I don't care." You know. Um. So like. Anyways, all that to say that uh they when they were when uh McCarthy was running to be the speaker, uh he had some resistance. You know, there's people like Chip Roy that was like, I want these concessions made. There's people like Matt Gates that was like, I want you to chop off your leg and bleed to death. Yeah. And he's like, Well, that's kind of a non starter. And then like I forget Gates wanted I don't know, he's just like, Not Kevin McCarthy, and it's like, Well who? He's like, I don't know. How about Jim Jordan? And Jim Jordan's like I don't want to be speaker (laughs) he's like what about steve Scalise?" he's like i'm voting for kevin mccarthy i don't want to do that either and so it's like gates had like i don't know i think he just likes his face on tv talking and stuff you know like him and marjorie taylor green and all that like you know kevin mccarthy's just a slug like he's nothing worth a damn but it was one of those things where it's like yeah no plan like your plan is just no like, at least you could say, like, how about Chip Roy? And, like, Chip Roy, I don't think he wanted it. But be like, all right, you can put my name in there. But uh, anyway, he didn't really have much of a plan. But part, you know, part of the rules they worked in there so that McCarthy could get the votes is that uh, voted no confidence for the speaker now only requires one person submitting it. And so now if he messes around, anybody like Matt Gates or whoever can stand up and go, no confidence, let's have a vote to remove him. And, like, even if he survives it, it's, you know, a distraction. It'll be one of these things that just, it can happen as much as possible. And so, uh, McCarthy, I mean, uh, Gates have been threatening that kind of stuff right now. Where it's like, you know, Miss, you know, what is he even talking about? I'm like, Mr. Speaker, uh, if you do, whatever. I forget. I forget what he's talking about. But it seems like, I think, this impeachment inquiry, which, like, a week ago, McCarthy's like, ah, we're not going to do that. And he's like, yes, we are. Yeah. And so I think part of it's just like, like, damn it, Gates. How about I, why don't we do an impeachment thing? Like, I'm not going to do something. I think it's about the continual resolutions or something, some spending thing. Uh, but I think uh, this might be a red meat uh, feeding to the Gates crowd. I don't think it's going to work. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, I don't care about that. Well, McCarthy launched it with a public comment. Where are we? I don't care about this. This new the uh, house uh, gets the the evidence pointing towards Joe Biden's involvement in the family business includes, but is not limited to photos, text, video, bank records, and audio recording, alleged bri- uh, alleged bribes, along with IRS and former business partner whistleblower testimonies. In addition, the House Oversight Committee on Wednesday unleashed a 20-point memo that details evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in his family's influence peddling schemes. In addition, a letter from Joe Biden to Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's uh, business partner, during his vice presidency was made public after Archer's interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Archer's Carlson interview came after testimony he gave to Congress. Both his testimony and the letter in question are evidence against the president. What's more, testimony from an IRS special agent turned whistleblower and handwritten notes uh, he took that were made public this week are further pieces of evidence um yeah that just talks about jd vance is kind of like hey there's evidence uh, but yeah so like everyone's like everyone from the news nbc news yahoo news the uh the white house they're all using the same like the exact same language which is just they're moving forward without evidence there's no direct evidence um if you will switch to the um cornell law school just because Direct evidence is actually a thing, because um, they go, "Oh, there's no evidence." They go, "Oh, there's no direct evidence," and people go, "Yeah, you don't got a smoking gun." Uh, Are yeah, we a cookie trap, cookie monster? But but yeah. I'd pull it. So here, direct evidence, uh, according to Cornell Law, where uh, oh What's his face from The Office went. Uh, direct evidence directly links. Uh, direct evidence directly links a person to a crime. It demonstrates the. Ultimate fact to be proved. I don't care about that. Direct evidence is the testimony of a person who claims to have personal knowledge of the commission of the crime, which has been charged such as an eyewitness. And it's opposite of circumstantial evidence. So the thing is we have witnesses. I mean, we have Devin Archer who has testified to Congress. That's a direct, you know, that's a witness. That's direct evidence. We have Hunter Biden's laptop. And, like, I don't know, you know, admissible and all that kind of stuff. But, like, he's texting people. Uh, he's texting his daughter and says, you know, when you're an adult, you won't have to give 50% of your salary to Pop like me. And it's just like, 50% of your salary goes to Pop, huh? And, like, you know, it's just something they, he talks about that. Yeah. You, know, you know, 10% for the big guy. There's like all this stuff. Like, they, you know, yeah, Bobolinsky, that was another guy who testified that the big guy is Joe Biden. And so when they say another 10 points for the big guy or whatever, it's like, yeah, so it's we got, there's witness testimony. There's bank records where like JP Morgan chase and these other cats are like, this looks like money laundering. It goes into all these shell corporations that we know exist now. Like everybody with the Biden last name, except for the newest hunter daughter have a shell corporation, you know, they're all just getting money. Um, there's emails where Hunter is talking to, um, Make sure said one of my things I got on here. Hunter's talking to his business partners where he's you know talking about paying bills uh, for his dad. Um us was checking these yeah not on those. Okay. Um but yeah, so there's evidence like that where it's just like Hunter Biden was paying his dad's bills. It's in emails, it's backed up, you know? And like they Devin Archer said he did speak to um, the Breeze McCrew that one dinner. Oh, they just t- talked about the weather or whatever. But like the next week, you know, Shokin's fired. Um, that's the other thing. You know, I was posting, I posted this thing on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, about like anybody telling you there's no evidence is just lying to you because there's clearly evidence. Like, evidence is not, doesn't mean proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know, that's a conviction. You know, um, this is evidence, there is plenty of evidence and uh all these people keep replying to me and they keep posting the same stuff where it's like from March or October of 2020. And it's like look, this other republican said that like it was uh there was corrupt, you know, Joe Biden acted the right way and it was corrupt and it's like okay. That's cool, but you know, as of last week, like we read last week, the all of Europe and the department set up like in coordination with the FBI in Ukraine was just like Shokin's doing a good job. We're on the right track. We're ending corruption. This is going well. And it's just like, so everybody says it's going well. And then Biden said it wasn't. And then everyone said, yeah, you're right. It's not. And that's the other thing. People, it was national because this is Biden's new line. It's like I was enforcing U.S. policy. That was my job. Like, I, you know, that was the policy, U.S. policy. It's like, no, it was when you said it, like when you decided it was policy, it became U.S. policy. Obama said, you Ukraine's your thing, like whether it's because he was like, Joe, this would be a great way to cash out. You're just very stupid. Uh, Barack Obama's quote, never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck things up. Quote, unquote, Barack Obama speaking about um, international policy. So that was what old Barack thought of Joe and so like who knows if it was like oh, go get paid son or if it was just i'm not dealing with it just whatever it was but you know it wasn't u.s policy was to root out corruption and help a non-corrupt government get in and yada 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 but as far as shokin specifically being corrupt that didn't happen to burisma and so like after he was gone suddenly the investigation to burisma is all gone hunter gets more cash and all that, and like that's circumstantial. That's circumstantial. There's direct witness that he spoke to the people, but he testifies just about weather. And then the next day, all of a sudden, all the policies that benefit those guys that he spoke to about weather are in place. You know, like it's that's circumstantial, but that's also evidence. So there's direct evidence and there's circumstantial evidence. There's both, you know. Hello? And like a lot of times, you go to trial, you know, say you're a prosecutor and maybe you're not corrupt it could happen and uh but you got you know you got some direct evidence maybe you got a pile of circumstantial evidence and you're just hoping to like build a case that you can really sell it to these people and maybe find a witness at some point like mm-hmm. one witness you know one witness one direct evidence and a pile of circumstantial maybe you can like weave this thing together so to say like there's nothing it's like there's there's a good bit. And like there's still people trying to track down like ten million dollars that they're pretty confident ended up in old Joe's pocket or the Biden's pockets. Um and they said like I just saw this in my stack either, but I saw that someone saying, Oh, we know one of the Republicans investigating. They're like, There's offshore accounts. There's offshore accounts, and we have a feeling that there's ten million dollars has flown through these offshore accounts. Um so like I don't know. And the other thing is, as Biden becomes more inept, it's possible. If they need him gone and they don't want to screw up this election, you know, because if they think like, because Biden's polling worse and worse against Trump, Trump is polling better and better against all the Republicans. And so like, and you know, they go, wow, this corrupt man's been, indicted four times on a million charges he's the most most uh, charged president former president candidate whatever in the history of blah 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 um of that's affecting his polling at all as far as the primary in fact there's a lot of um i said people of color have been uh, trending towards the republican party over like this year um probably because biden's so inept so if they think like maybe if we throw gavin newsom in there um, somehow, maybe because he's slick and looks like uh Christian Bale and American Psycho. <laughs> like, next time you look at him, think American Psycho. Okay. Go, I bet you he's got a nice business card, Gavin Newsom. That's, I bet you it's a very nice linen blend of cotton, you know, raised type set. Um, uh, but you know, maybe they'll just go, oh, okay, we don't need, we can ignore the fact that California is an unmitigated disaster right now. Um, between like LA that has the homeless encampments under every overpass or San Francisco. And like, it's just getting worse and worse and all those just with the, the homeless issue. And then, um, this is actually, I don't remember if I have it in from, this was one of the leftovers from last week. Um, but it's come to his desk for a signature. There's this law that I, we may have talked about months ago. Um, but it passed the house and the Senate, the state house and the Senate in California now. So it's going to Gavin Newsom's desk to sign. And it's that if you are a parent and you don't affirm your child's identity, gender identity, um, that will negatively affect you in a custody hearing and be treated comparable to like neglect abuse. And so it's passed. It's the only thing left is to sign it into law. And you know, Gavin Newsom's going to sign this thing into law. Like why? I don't think he's seen, Like a leftist policy that he hasn't loved. You know, damn the results. He's got French laundry to eat at. He doesn't need, the you know, gross markets and stuff. Um, Oh, there's a huge, that shopping mall in San Francisco. That was like the fancy, it was kind of the equivalent of like shopping in Fifth Avenue in New York or whatever. Now it's all done. You know, like all the stores have left. Well, um, who was it? Not Nordstrom or Macy's. One of those. Oh, American Eagle. American Eagle is now suing the own, like the mall ownership because they're just like, you didn't provide any security. Our staff was getting assaulted. Things are getting stolen left and right. And like, you know, granted, you can say it's city policies that like, got you there. But, you, you know, you only have a certain amount of recourse when you had to like end a lease early and lose all this money. So it's like, yeah, sue the mall owner. Make the mall owner sue the city. Like whatever, like pass it up the line, you know. Because then you got real damages where you go, well, I've lost all these tenants my mall is totally empty and now I'm paying out for this. And like, that ain't me. Um, anyway, so maybe Gavin Newsom can run and like none of that stuff really sticks, uh, where people go, ah, you know, whatever the homeless people, whatever it's California, who knows? Um, but if they do think like a Gavin Newsom or whoever can swoop in and save the day, um, they're not going to be protecting Joe Biden. If Joe's not willing to step down, you know, or, Jill, whoever is handling him, you know, if he's not willing to go quietly, then I think that makes an even stronger chance that some of these things get uncovered, you know, offshore accounts and all that. Cause you know, suddenly the marching orders from the DOJ or, you know, all these cats don't go from protect Joe. They go to like, let's just get rid of the guy, you know, just Loosen up, yeah, loosen up, let's see what you can find. It's like, see what I can find? It's like, see what you can find, you know, like then I think. Um, Then I think Joe's in trouble
1: It's like that It's like that circus Or the fair game Where the 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 gophers oh, the, keep popping up The whack-a-mole yeah, yeah, yeah That's <laughs> what I Whatever I hear about this it, Let's just picture that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Here's yeah. evidence Oh get rid of it Here's yeah. evidence Oh get rid of it
0: I mean it feels like that Doesn't it yeah. Cause I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of that Hunt. um let, let me make sure I wanted this in a certain order Yeah okay Hunter Biden said he was office mates with Joe Biden and a Chinese business associate email show. I remember reading this a a long time ago, but I guess it's popping back up now because why? Let's see. Hunter Biden emailed a Washington, D.C. property manager in September 2017 requesting the office keys and a new sign showing that the Biden Foundation and business venture Hudson West 3 were present at the office, according to a partially redacted email disclosed by the House Oversight Committee. All right, so this is why it's being presented to the House Oversight Committee. Um, yeah, I'll read more. Stupid button. Please have keys made available for new office mates, Biden wrote. Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden, Gong Wen Dong, Chairman Ye, CEFC Emissary, So CFC is the Chinese energy firm that's definitely tied with China. I would like the office sign uh, to reflect the following, he wrote. The Biden Foundation, Hudson West, and then in parentheses, CEFC US. So the US branch of the Chinese energy firm. Um, The lease will remain under my company's name, Rosemont Seneca. So both Biden Foundation and CEFC's US branch are basically getting free rent because Rosemont Seneca uh was paying for it therefore hunter biden's business kept the biden foundation housed um <laughs> yeah they moved into the space in 2017 uh ddb and then yeah at some point he got into a dispute because he said there's visitors coming in i think he got busted with a hooker and if i remember the story correct like i think he had a hooker in there oh that was it issue with unknown visitors coming into the office after hours. I don't think it was just that. I think he heard about that. Or I know he emailed about this dispute. We're like, I think people have been in here. But I also think he was getting complaints for his visitors after hours. And so I think he kind of turned it on. What? You're letting people go to my office. But I do think they were concerned about, um, like, there's a back entrance or something. And so there was some types they weren't expecting to see coming in after business hours and he's just like it's my it's my office i can you know i have business associates that need to come yes i let them through that door sometime what's the problem i pay my rent it's my door you know which i see his point but then i think that's where like i think you've been letting people in here after hours i think it was crack paranoia um but i think uh if i recall correctly that it started because they're just like Maybe not so many hookers need to come in like hookers and like cocaine salesmen, you know, nice crack representatives, representatives of the crack industry. Um, It's just we're not sales reps, (laughs) pharmaceutical reps from crack international. (laughs) Somehow still a more honest business than uh, Pfizer. I don't know. Crack international really, they're on top of it. They hide the ball a lot less, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think I think Pfizer and uh oh shoot, who are the oxy people? Purdue. Yeah, I think Pfizer and Purdue definitely hide the ball more than a good old fashioned crack salesman. It's like, what the hell you mean it's crack? You smoke it, it gets you high. And it's like, oh okay. Well, I guess I'll take some crack then. <laughs> it's like, is it healthy? No, it's crack. You're smoking it at a crack pipe. It gets you high. Do you have five dollars? <laughs> I do. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that's, so it's like, okay, so now Hunter Biden was office mates with Joe Biden, which at the time that would be private citizen, Joe Biden, Uh, he's office mates with private citizen, Joe Biden, former vice president, and basically an, let's see, let's see if it describes here who the guy was. He's basically an attaché to China. Um, Oh, he was the one that got in trouble for bribery charges, too. Like, the guy that... It was either him or the guy he represented is, like, in jail right now for bribery in China. And so, like, it was like, that guy and Joe Biden were both office mates. Either the guy who got arrested for bribery or the guy who... Let's see. The Chinese business associate, Hunter Biden, included in his email was... Gong Wendong, the emissary of CEFC chairman Yi Xin Ming, something like that, who was allegedly linked to the Chinese Communist Party prior to his arrest in China for bribery. Uh I mean, so I guess that was the chairman Yi or Ye, Xinming. Um so yeah, so the the his office mate was an emissary of the guy who was bribing people in China. But uh Let's see. Hudson West 3 was a business venture Hunter Biden created with business associate from CEFC and his uncle, James Biden. Hunter Biden's failed plea deal with the DOJ shows he made nearly $1 million from Hudson West and $664,000 from CEFC in 2017, which he admitted in court. IRS whistleblower Ziegler, that's the guy, Ziegler confirmed in that Hudson West 3 Brought in 3.7 million when he publicly testified in July to the House Ways and Means. So yeah, so that was uh, oh, when House Oversight released in June a text Hunter Biden allegedly sent to Dong on August 3rd, 2017. <laughs> Keep it together, more mature people.
1: My apologies. <laughs>
0: start picturing that yeah that picture of hunter biden when he's got like a uh, bow around his neck and he's in just the tidy whities it's like hunter biden contacted dong <laughs> speaking of the microphone <laughs> um anyway hunter biden texted dong bragging about how the bidens are the best at doing exactly what the chairman wants the following day, CEFC wired $100,000 to Biden's shale company, Owasco PC. So it's like, we're the best at what you need done, he says to the guy who's in jail for bribing people in China. Like, what you need done, we're the best at. It's like, sounds like what he needs done is bribery, because that's what he does, I guess. It's
1: literally like, like mob 1.0 right there.
0: I think my 1.0 is don't do it over text message. <laughs> like if he's your office mate, just talk to him. But yeah, that's, that's one way that they have not been great at being a crime family is one their point of contact has a serious crack problem and a hooker,
1: <laughs> you
0: know, it's a serious problem. He loves cocaine and hookers too much. Everyone loves cocaine and hookers.
1: I love when the camera catches Jill's reaction when she knows that her son is actively doing coke wherever they're at. Stepson. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah, when she just changed it.
1: Mm. Right. Every time. Yeah, and no, mm,
0: Hunter Biden. Because you know, like, you know she's been tired of it. Like, like, honey, don't you think that maybe Hunter's in over his head? Maybe... Maybe we can trust Jim to do this one. Maybe Jim can do it. Your brother's a good guy. He's been used to doing it. My son's a good boy. good boy. Get me some coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it done. I'll get it done. <laughs> I'll get whatever you want, <laughs> Um. So yeah, so that's something where it's like, oh, no evidence, but there's this, you know, it's like Hunter's business where he was getting Chinese to pay him to do what they want with the Bidens. Like Joe Biden was an office mate with a key, as was Jill Biden and Jim Biden. And you go, Well, the Biden Foundation, of course, they have a key to the Biden Foundation. It's like, Yeah, but why was the Chinese energy firm like roommates? They go, Well, it's two different signs. It's like, Yeah, it, it was both Hunter's office, you know? It's like, I'm going to say, Listen, I'm part of Save the Children LLC. I'm also part of Sell the Children LLC. <laughs> Two different companies. I wouldn't worry about it. The mailing address is my office for both of those. But uh, I'm going to save the children. Discount sale on Friday. Totally separate thing.
1: <laughs> save them by selling them.
0: <laughs> They're in bad way right now. I've got a very wealthy prince in Saudi Arabia that would save, put them, they will never be poor again. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that's okay. Um. That's no big deal. But except also, just the news, Hunter Biden meeting with associates at VP Mansion underscores the role that father played in wooing clients. Joe Biden, such a wooer. He smelled their hair so good. Um, man, I don't care about those. I want to talk about how cool the vice president's house is at the U.S. Naval Observatory. I'm sure it's very nice. <clears throat> but Hunter Biden is the son of a sitting vice president. I was able to score the sort of VIP meeting inside the mansion most lobbyists could only dream of. There in 2015, the future first son delivered FaceTime between then-Vice President Joe Biden, his fellow business partner and Burisma board member Devin Archer, and an international banker they were courting uh, for business in Kazakhstan. The meeting, recently divulged by Archer in congressional testimony, is one of several that Hunter Biden arranged that delivered direct access for business partners to his powerful father as vice president. Some occurred on phone calls, others at swanky Cafe Milano restaurant in D.C. But this one in the personal residence of the vice president was taking on more significance for House investigators for the specificity of the conversation and the secretive nature of the gathering. Official entry logs released by the Obama administration do not show that the businessman, banker, Mark Holtzman, Archer, or Hunter was there. That's the damnedest thing. The logs just don't show it. But Archer confirmed the meeting occurred. Um, let's see. Holtzman wanted to advocate for former. Well, I just jumped. I think I just jumped. Da, 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 da. Uh, for former Prime Minister Kareem Mazumov, uh, who is today imprisoned in his country on treason charges, uh, to become the next UN Secretary General. And so this dude from Kazakhstan was like, hey, our Prime Minister should be the next UN, like head of the UN. And it's like, that's what I'm trying to push for. Can y'all help me get that? You know, you got influence being the vice president. And then Hunter and Archer hoped that Holtzman, then the top official at Kazakhstan's largest bank, could help deliver an energy deal for their Burisma client in Ukraine with Kazakhstan. Joe Biden was in position to influence both. Um, Archer said, it was like a UN related conversation. Archer told congressional investigators. It was president, a gentleman named Mark Holtzman, myself, Hunter and the vice president. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, ba- but basically like they were working on a big deal. And so for, for this Kazakh, uh, this guy from Kazakhstan, his big thing was he wanted the former prime minister to be the head of the UN. And so they were just kind of like, Hey, the Bidens can help you get there. Maybe you can help us get this energy deal for Brisma, Some of our clients, we got these people in Ukraine, maybe they can do an energy deal in Kazakhstan. Maybe the bank can help get this going, give some funds. Let's get this going, which, of course, would be hugely lucrative. I mean, if you can strike a an energy deal with a nation, you know, it pays a little bit. Um, and so it's just another time that, you know, Hunter, who or sorry, Joe, who had never even discussed any of his son's business with him uh, or Joe, who was never directly in business with him. So now he's taking a secret meeting, as I would call it, if you don't put it on the logs,
1: right? Or somebody just forgot to know it. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time, yeah. Oh, <laughs>
0: like, well, let me have a, a meeting with a foreign national who is like a high up at a foreign bank, my son and his business partner, and we're going to discuss appointing someone to the head of the United Nations, and that's it. I mean, if it was, like, oh, just that. Energy deal? What energy deal? You know, it's like, so you talked about... Putting someone the head of the UN and that wasn't an official meeting? That's interesting. It's like, because it happened, but it's like, oh no, I was never, I didn't do business with these people. I don't even know. <sighs> no evidence, Charlie.
1: The glove doesn't fit.
0: You must have quit. Look. <clears throat> you remember when he did that? Trying to yeah. put that glove on? I've never seen so. I've watched OJ's movies, you know, Naked Gun. Okay, I've never seen worse O.J. acting than that damn glove. He was just like, let me see what I can get on here. And then he just had his hand sprawled out as far as he could. He's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. These, what were those gloves called? not that Beltone? Was it Beltone? I have no idea. I just remember after that, the brand of glove got actually a little bit of a boost. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's like, I mean... They're nice gloves. It's with with <laughs> so good. You will <laughs> What a great marketing
1: technique. <laughs> Jesus.
0: People kill to get these gloves. <laughs> oh man, he just sat there and like, like, who puts on a glove like this? You know, you go,
1: yeah, find little finger holes, pull in there. It's just like, gosh, can't. Whatever reason, the glove just doesn't go on. He might as well have dipped his hand in water before he attempted it.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he was just sitting on his hand, just get a little bit of sweat on there, you know, get that resistance. But Love don't fit, son. I'm not saying OJ did it. But if he did it, there's a nice book you could read that he wrote called If I Did It. (laughs) 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 Which is my favorite. I mean, I feel horrible for the families of the people that he murdered allegedly um but for someone who allegedly killed a couple people and then got away with it and then went to prison for like strong-arm robbery and like assault and false imprisonment i think i had a prison for that to be like to write a book saying if i did it where it's like we know what you do if you did it we saw the trial we saw how one would do it Especially one named O.J. Simpson, who then ran away laying in the back of a Bronco while his friend drove him in a high speed chase, which is normally what happens if there's confusion about who stabbed these people. Um, Anyway, I think the the
1: current uh, owners dug up the backyard and found the knife, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Didn't they already have the knife or did they never have the knife? I don't think they ever had it. No. Now they do. Maybe. That's all right. Not guilty. Not guilty. I do love it. like this. I don't know. And then he goes on Twitter now. Hello, everybody. It's Juice here. I'm going to talk about it. He always talks about it. I just don't think that's a good way to act. We got to have more self-respect. You got to treat people with respect. It's like you stabbed two people to death because like your ex-wife was banging a waiter and you did not like that because you weren't too happy about the whole situation. It's like maybe allegedly, <laughs> but maybe. Treating people with respect and dignity is not your best tact or your best skill. You know, work on it. Work, work on it. Without knives. Just keep the knives out. Not the knives out. Keep the knives in. Just not the bodies. Um, let's see. Where do I want to go from here? Uh, this is... We don't like to go to it. I don't really think I sent it to you. Uh, but did you see that Mitt Romney is not going to seek re-election? Wow. Yeah. His old Mormon butt is, uh, he announced sometime this week, I think Monday or Tuesday. He's just like, Hey guys, he's like, If I ran for reelection, then I would be 84 in the middle of my term. And I think it's time for the new generation to step in and make the laws that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. Like, but I'm not retiring yet. I'm going to be here until the end of my term fighting for you people. And, uh, so, you know, of course. Everybody, I don't know if anybody likes Mitt Romney. I mean, I don't think Democrats like him. I remember when he ran for president, they didn't like they like it when he says mean things about Trump. But like, I mean, remember when he ran for president? They called him all sort. He was a homophobic. He was a. They said he bullied that kid. Like he, I think he held some kid down and shaved his head, like in boarding school or something like that. There was something where like a bunch of kid they hate some kid and shaved his head. But I think. uh Maybe the kid was gay or maybe they thought he was gay. I don't know. They were like 13 years old or something. And then there was that thing about him going on family vacations. Like, yeah, you just put the dog cage on the top of the car or on the top of the station wagon and you drive. And people were like, you tied the dog to the top roof of the car? And he was like, yeah, that's what you did. And it's just like everyone was like, that's weird. And like maybe people did that back in the 70s or whatever it was, 60s, 70s. Maybe you do tie a dog to the roof of the car. I don't know. Sounds strange to me. Well, uh, yeah, the, you know, the Joe Biden, Joe Biden said if Mitt Romney was elected, he put y'all back in chains. Wow. Yeah, that was if Romney's elected. Black people will be enslaved, literally, <laughs> said Joe Biden. Um, so I can't imagine, like, and I don't think many Republicans like the guy. And he's just—I don't know—he's just one of the biggest tool turds out there, you know. Um, so I don't know if anybody's gonna miss him, but uh, rumor is maybe. He was about to get primaried pretty hard this time around. So it's either that he just he's, he stepped down to be the good guy that said, I don't need this power. You know, the next generation needs to make these rules I and mean, he can paint himself as a good guy. But I think he was about to get his butt owned in a primary where he's going to get, cause it's Utah. Like they've a Republican, like 80% or something crazy like that. Like getting a Democrat elected is a bit of a challenge. And if you had like two or three, republicans that just went you know all oj knives out on him like it might it might affect him a little bit so i think i think he thought he was gonna lose a primary and be disgraced from it Uh, but he stepped down so i'm happy about that i'm happy every time that any of them stepped down um what do we want to talk about and we talk about the disaster ahead there and we can talk about let's talk about okay okay how about we'll save the disaster? Well, yeah, we'll do Ramaswamy. So Ramaswamy is still pulling about third place. Uh, he's been doing lots of stuff, but he is now Republican presidential candidate Vivek Vivek. Was in cake. Ramaswamy proposed cutting seventy five percent of the federal workforce in a speech Wednesday aimed at shutting down what he called the administrative state. The people who he elect to run the government ought to be the ones who actually run the government, not the managerial bureaucracy and three-letter government agencies, he said during a speech at the American First Policy Institute in D.C. He said he would reduce the federal workforce by 75% by the end of his first term if elected president, and he said 50% of those cuts could be made in the first year. And be, so 50% means we reduce it by 37.5% in the first year. Sign me up.
1: Go Rama.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get your cake, son. Uh, Let's see. The federal government employs about two and a quarter million military personnel. About one million of those are reservists. It also has two and a quarter million civilian personnel. So that's four and a half million people. About 60% of those employees work for the Department of Defense, Veterans Affairs, Homeland Security, according to the CBO. This is it. Ramaswamy said he would shutter the FBI the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the U.S. Department of Education, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and the Department of Agricultural's uh, Food and Nutrition Services. We're going to have to confront several myths that have uh, perpetuated in this town by advisors and members of the very bureaucracy we're looking to shut down that we're going to have to confront and overcome and understand how the U.S. president can actually get this job done. He promised large-scale mass layoffs and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, so, you know, I like it, you know, like, do I think Oliver oh, little going to be eating this cake as president? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be the nominee, but, um, uh, boy, do I like hearing people say fire three quarters of the federal government. Uh, I mean, ooh, let me do some math on that. I could do it in my head maybe, but I am not going to do that. So what did I say? It was 4.5 million was how many? So times 0.75, oops, no, I'm no, 0.25. So it would be down, still be one and an eighth million, 1.125 million, which is a lot, but you know, that's okay. Is that right? 4.5? Yeah, so that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll take firing over 3 million government employees. And really, if you think about them saying that like a million reservists, so that's like a million and a half, like active du- or a million and a quarter active duty, with a million reservists. So if you look like total federal employees being down to one point one two five, it's like all right, well, it's almost all the military. So it's like okay, you know, reduce some of the roles. Like at some point, I think it's gotten better, but at some point, I think there was more admirals in the navy than there were ships. I know everyone's smart and people have jobs outside of being on the ship, but. Maybe we need fewer admirals, you know, maybe more. Get catch your master chiefs on those ships, you know, an admiral here and there. Cool. Gotcha. But at some point, we're paying a lot of money to a lot of people. And those pensions, like God, those pensions. I mean, I'm not saying they don't earn them because, you know.
1: Right. Like ranks are designed to be backups. So you don't need backup admirals for admirals. You need the lower rank to back them up, right? I
0: don't know. We'd have to bring a little salty Jimmy on this one yeah. to really know. But uh, I do, you know, I know the Navy would say, well, there's too few ships, make more ships, which you know, I actually do think that if you beef up the Navy, get more like new ships, like that not just the rust buckets. that Some of the ships that go out, they're just so rusty. It's embarrassing, especially when China releases their pictures and they're all Pretty and stuff, and so, like, you know, granted, they they do it through subjugating their people into damn near slavery and letting them starve and all that kind of stuff, but
1: whatever, you know, I gotta crack a few eggs.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> <a> few eggs. <laughs> make an omelet here. Um, but now, like, if you did, like, if you were, I think you could get by with shutting down quite a few overseas bases if you had uh, a bigger navy, yeah uh, because if you you know, and I understand shut them all down overseas. They tend to, you know, perpetuate um, hatred uh, when we take over SWAT's line. But there are places that we are welcome partners. Um, there are there are places that go, oh, no, please, like, please stay here. And sometimes it means we have to, like, it makes us closer to be into a conflict. So it kind of drags us towards war or whatever. I think we can. I think that can be navigated. I mean, get I think we get out NATO. That would help a lot. But anyway, various regions where we're welcome to have an overseas port, or we took it over in some war years ago, and, like, listen, it happens. I'm not saying, like, the base we built in, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, like, hold that stuff forever. But, like, I don't know, there's some times where it's like, this is a strategic port. We won. We keep it. You know, that's not totally in line with the non-aggression principle. I get that. Uh, But I'm just trying to, like thinking about dwindling down you know because you got to start somewhere and you're not going to start with removing every foreign base simultaneously um that's just i don't see that ever happening you know but if you beef up the navy remove remove some i don't know we probably remove quite a number keep the naval ports and like because really some of the time, some of the things we do about like our u.s foreign aid um we're literally paying people to not like attack us during, during, uh, through different straits. And like, uh, there's different choke points, you know, that are good for international trade. Um, and so like, as long as we keep the, um, keep the right people greased, you know, like the Suez canal kind of keeps going, you know, and we don't have to like defend it with guns cause we defended it with the cash and all that. But I think also we could defend it with guns, uh, but, and also I think you should let merchant ships be like, I mean, they should all have fifty cals and all that kind of stuff. Like, you yeah, know, they should be decked out almost like a warship—not to go to war, but just if pirates or some some nation with speedboats wants to come at you. Look, sink that thing. Just, just RPG it. You know, more weapons on the seas. That's what I want. More weapons for more people everywhere. The seas, the air, the ground—they're just fun. It's
1: fun. Ships ship's sitting deep in the water, not because of goods, but because of guns. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, listen, we used to be able to bring, you know, what the 150,000 tons. Now we're down to 125 because, God, we got so many guns. <laughs> I like, well, you know what we don't need? We don't need to bribe our way into any canals because they don't open, they go, boom, they're opening. <laughs> um, Let's see. Well, just real quick, just to wrap up something that I think said. So I, I didn't cover it last week, but did you hear what happened in New Mexico with guns?
1: Uh, I'm reading it right now. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, so yeah, the uh, this, the governor was basically just like, okay, there's gun violence has been too much. We're just going to suspend uh, carry like carry permits and uh, you know bring in guns to public. We're going to uh, suspend it for I think a month or two or something like that. I'd be like, what you can't suspend my gun rights for a month, you know? And so, all these people protested. They went out, um, they went out with uh, wearing their guns, like just rifles and handguns and everything. And they just kind of stood around. And uh, funny enough, one thing I liked about the protest is anti gun people showed up. And According to the article I read, it said like anti gun people showed up and wanted to say something. And the gun people, were like, okay, say your piece. And so, they'd stand up and go guns are bad and clean and they're gonna kill everybody and all this stuff and then when they were done the gun people stood back up and then we were like went to refute everything that people said but he let them speak i mean i think that's great because like how many times do you see like when you see a i don't know one of these protests you know and some like person shows up with a sign that says abortion is murder or god is good or something like that and like or you know there's only men and women or whatever, like one of these signs. And then they just get like assaulted and like, they're just beaten and shouted down all that kind of stuff. And they're not even trying to say anything. I'm just holding a sign still. But I think it's good. It's like, first of all, first of all, you gotta have some guts to walk into a group of heavily armed individuals and tell them that you don't think that you should be armed at all. But also those heavily armed individuals are just like, yeah, man, say your piece. You're You're wrong. But say it, and then we're going to try and make a fool out of you. And I think that's wonderful.
1: That's should good.
0: Yeah, but uh, so recently, um, the judge, a judge shot it down or suspended this thing, saying, uh, or blocked it. <laughs> Look it. <at, laughs> you got the picture pulled yeah, up. <laughs> it for a while, <laughs> that's such a funny picture. A federal judge ruled against an emergency public health order issued by Democrat Governor Michelle Lujan Lujan Grisham. Uh, repealing open and concealed carry rights in the largest county in new mexico so they should have judgment wednesday because lots of gun rights people uh challenged this ruling or this restriction and so it temporarily suspends the order restricting gun rights until october 3rd when a hearing will be held uh, to see if it's constitutional and of course it is not so that has already been shot down people can have their gun rights back Well, they never lost them, but the government is no longer trying to steal your. Well, I guess they are still trying. But as of now, you can still carry and you have the rights, and the governor can't arrest you for it. Um, So, little victories along the way. It's nice when these tyrants uh, try to do things and then they get shut down by just citizenry saying, no, thank you. Um, All right. Well, I think that's going to do us for this week. We got. Of course, the Buccaneers won their opening match against the uh, Vikings. Got room to improve lots of ways. I think our defense looks stout. I think Baker Mayfield, you know, did some things. He's always going to be more balls than he'll be, like, the most skilled guy in the world. But, you know, it's also going to end up, he's going to get interceptions because of it. Because he's always been, like... Confidence guy, you know, but he had that uh, nice run that like sealed the game where he was just like, God, he got like flung to the ground, but he got the first down, you know? So I don't know. We got the Bears. They're a little bit better team. We'll see how it goes. Buccaneer football. Just so excited. What you got, Charlie? Um,
1: Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Yeah,
0: if you did. But then if you listen, subscribe, uh, like uh, YouTube's uh, Rumbles. Uh, I tunes or whatever we do anyway like it all follow it all subscribe to all this is loaded talk i'm frank i'll see you later boop